general nerdery. Amy Pond, there's something you must understand about us, because it may someday save your life. We are definitely two generals of nerdery with a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It was okay. I, I didn't have anything great for this intro here, but I love that line. I'm Tyler. <laughs> what are we, what are I'm we doing? Zach. What are, how is this going? Uh, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. We already said that. That's Tyler. I'm Zach. We're here on your podcast about liking things. And uh, we're diving in once again to Doctor Who. After editing it yesterday, it was weird not jumping into the Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to New Island. <laughs> <laughs> so close. We are just getting a few episodes film recorded before we start dropping that one because... We don't have news on that one. We don't have to be worry about being topical. We can get a backlog. So nice. We do have news on this one, though. Yes. Uh, the first bit of news being, we dropped word balloons. We did drop word balloons. <laughs> um, literally was talking about that. I, I took a bigger drink of my drink there than I meant to. Um, yeah, we dropped word balloons, which we've been talking about since, like, September, August. That's on Previous, us. That's who on, knows? It's on 2020. That's actually... I don't even take responsibility for that one. No. Um, it is our other podcast. Other, other podcast. We make many podcasts together. Where we do our job as walking nerd libraries, basically. It's um, the short version of this. Yes. Very focused. It was originally going to be a bit on this. Then we went, we have too many bits. So... Ask us nerd questions and we'll answer them on there. Um, yeah. It's only about 15, 20 minutes long. I will warn you, the first episode's a little primitive. We recorded it last spring. And I have grown as a podcaster since last spring. Not a lot, but some. <laughs> We're really showing it this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're on top of things. Um, no, it's super fun so far. Like you said, I, re I haven't listened to it again yet, but I remember those first ones being super rough, but you know, you'll get a new episode every, every Wednesday from here until who knows when. Well, we have 11 episodes for the first season and, uh, we're working on the second season as we speak. Yeah. So it should keep up pretty regularly and we're only going to get better as it goes on. And the questions are still fun, even if the rest of the podcast is shambly at first. <laughs> we're really selling this well. Uh, Go listen to us. Yay! So was that actually one of your news pieces there or did you just want to? Well, no, no, I figured we should plug ourselves. No, perfect. So. Yes, I'm, I'm not arguing. I, we could really start in on our news, though. Yeah. Where I mean, technically, I think we're starting with one of yours. Yeah. Okay. Uh, God. I formally apologize for this episode right now, apparently. Anyways. We got our Fantastic Four of the for, Week. Yep, Fantastic Four of the Week for our Reed Richards. We have whatever the hell Reddit did with GameStop this week. Yeah, okay, so maybe not purely <laughs> science, but deals with enough numbers that it probably counts. Numbers, math, and real life, which was kind of close enough to our Reed Richards. Okay, so... <laughs> this is my news thing, but, but we had to, like... This is neither of our strong points. Mm -mm. I, I, I tend to consider myself to be a, a fairly intelligent person most of the time. Financial shit goes way the fuck over my head. Like, every little term is something I feel like I end up having to look up, and I still don't understand how a lot of it works. Math is not my strong suit. I can talk history. I can talk, like, philosophy to an extent. Obviously, I can talk art, thanks, math. <laughs> Uh, however, 
I have been trying to learn a lot this week, partially because I've been following this pretty much since the beginning, mm-hmm. being an avid Redditor. I don't think I've ever actually... No, I've used Reddit, but never, like, commented on it. Okay, avid... Avid lurker on Reddit. <laughs> I also upvote a lot of things because I'm not a heathen. If it makes me laugh, I do it. You all love me out there, all you fellow Redditors. I know that. Um, anyway. Uh, so... Deep fucking value made another big hard call. Uh, Wall Street Bets isn't something I normally follow, uh, but it pops up every now and again in hot and sometimes even makes the main page because they're entertaining. Uh, because it's just a bunch of weirdos online talking about Wall Street and like keeping track of what they're doing. Not just like keeping track. That's that's like r slash Wall Street. Oh, Wall okay. Street Bets is... A bunch of people who have no problem just throwing away their fucking life savings on a stupid, like, I think this is going to skyrocket in the next day and I'm going to sell it immediately. Wasn't Martin Shkreli the, like, pharma bro, a moderator on that for a while or something like that? I wouldn't be surprised. I I don't go super deep on them. I just, I like whenever their threads pop up because they're usually pretty entertaining because... Uh, the core of Wall Street bets, they have their own little culture. They consider themselves the ultimate internet Wall Street degenerates. They love the fact that they just, there's a lot of them that kind of live our existence. Like these aren't heavy investors. These are day-to-day people Mm -hmm. that just like, I have a little bit extra cash this week. I'm going to throw it. Instead of throwing it in a casino, I'm going to throw it in a fucking Wall Street. I have met the type. I'm confused by the type, but I just buy comic books. So I'm really not, like, judging. I'm throwing away my money at least as fast as they are. I just... Now, a few of them are, like, more normal Mm -hmm. investors as well as doing this sort of thing. Uh, A lot of people are giving deep fucking value a lot of credit for orchestrating this himself he's more just like a really well-known figure on that board that's made some hard calls before and he sort of went hey it looks like they're shorting GameStop so maybe we should all go buy it and people took him real seriously um okay real quick let's explain what shorting is because shorting is confusing as all get out all right so actually I went on, this started on Reddit. I'm going to pull information straight from Reddit. I went to r slash explain like I'm five. (laughs) Well played. Uh, And user Brad or something explained it this way about three days ago. And this will start from very basic to what is sort of going on. Buying and selling stocks, very basic. You know, you want to earn money, you put out this stock, people buy it for a certain price, you raise money that way. Mm -hmm. Short selling. You have a hundred of my stock. I come up to you Monday and say, if you loan me a hundred, I'll give you two dollars and all of it back Friday. You agree. I go off, sell it all for whatever. In this Mm -hmm. example, he's actually using oranges and one dollar each, but... I didn't want to start getting mixed up with the oranges too much because otherwise I was just going to get hungry and lose. Fair enough. We're, we're unfocused enough already. 
So then, and I sell them for $100, for $1 each. So now I have $100 and owe you $2 and your oranges back. I hope your oranges will be cheaper Friday. And if they're only worth 50 cents, I buy 100 oranges and give you them and the $2, but I still end up $48 richer. Okay. Now, uh, some hedge funds basically decided to short sell on GameStop because it's been failing for years. And you can kind of use this, I mean, people have, hedge funds have used this to destroy companies, honestly. If they decide, oh, they're going to short, we're going to tell everyone that, or they're going to die, we're going to short them and then tell everyone they're going to die, that can kill companies. Absolutely. So then what happened when people noticed that they shorted GameStop is a short squeeze. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, someone saw me make the deal on the stocks and then immediately sell them. So they know that I have to have those stocks back by a certain time. So if you go buy up all the stocks and then when he when it comes back around time to have to pay, you can be like, sorry buddy, all the stocks are now $20 each. There's nowhere else for you to get them. I know that you owe that person, so now you're forced to buy them from me. So instead of buying that orange for 50 cents when you got it for a dollar, basically, Mm -hmm. it is now $20. So you would end up owing (laughs) $1,902 in this particular example. So they got a few hundred million stocks and now suddenly companies are out billions of dollars. Um, Shorting is... Is a fu- it's it's a fucking casino bet mm-hmm. because you can only gain a certain amount of money because you're at best case scenario the stock becomes worthless, but theoretically the stock can go up do go what, up what it just infinitely. did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's that's kind of what happened. Deep fucking value was like they're shorting it. Let's squeeze it and got the internet on board. What's interesting is a lot of people who don't really understand, I think, millennial culture, because this feels like a very millennial thing, although I know a lot of people across the board are doing it, is it's not that we necessarily liked GameStop. I say we, I haven't done any of this. I know you did a little, but... uh, I've been looking at it, but my money hasn't cleared yet for me to actually throw down anything. It sucks, but... And I'm maybe too late on GameStop. But some of the same sort of thing is happening with AMC, Mm -hmm. and I might be able to make some money off that later this week. And we'll get into that. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's not that we're like, oh, GameStop, because people are like, oh, they're trying to save the video games. No, we don't have wonderfully high opinions of GameStop as a company, from what I understand. No. No, they're kind of awful. We just are pissed that hedge fund people are doing this. They're... It's best case, wildly unethical. These are... They're literally a bunch of people that have nothing to do with the company. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like CEOs of the company are making out like fat cats. It's people that weren't even involved making bets and making money off of companies going under and people losing their jobs. Yeah. And sometimes destroying the company in the pro, like purposely destroying the company so they can do this. That's so part of the fun part of this is this actual explanation goes into this. What is stock manipulation? When I buy 100 oranges, I go around and talk about how bad they are. I tell my friends not to let anyone buy any so the demand drops. I go on CNBC and talk about how I bit into a nasty one and threw up. 
Now they're only 25 cents. How wonderful. I can buy my 100 oranges for 25 cents, and now my profits are $73. We see this kind of market manipulation from hedge funds all the time. They have the money to hire millionaires of different stripes to go into certain places to drop public opinion of certain things uh -huh. when they do decide to, to do things like this, shorting stocks and such. So there's been a lot of a back and forth because uh, Wall Street Bets is basically just the same thing, but for average people that can't hire millionaires. Which they're trying billionaires to are pissed about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're trying to claim uh, illegal stock manipulation. I'm not sure what that's called. But it's literally the same thing they do, just on, you know, our level. Any, the single fact that any of this is legal is mind-boggling to me. But, you know, if someone's going to beat them at it at their own game, I'm glad that it's random assholes on Reddit. No offense, Redditors, but you know I'm right. I do know some billionaire went on, like, CNN or CNBC or something like that. CNBC. And was talking about how bullshit it was and just made himself look like the most 1% of the 1%. Yeah, so let me see. I might actually be able to pull up some, some real numbers here. Uh, basically, when all of this started, uh, GameStop was valued at like $20-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were hoping it was going to, you know, drop down off of however many shares were out there. You know, they were going to make probably half a billion off of it. Maybe not that much. but I mean, they bought more shares than, like, existed so that was, um, yeah, that even I, once again, I don't know how that works. And it, even the people trying to explain it really easily are like, we have to skip this part because there's no way to explain how this happens easily. It shouldn't. Right. So what actually happened, it wasn't just that they noticed the short, they noticed what you said. It's. If we bring the numbers way down, GameStop only had 100 shares total. Mm -hmm. Basically, they sold 125 on a loan to cover their shorts. <sighs> and so that is called a gamma squeeze or a short squeeze, and that's what's happening. And so there's more shares loaned out than available, because normally that would mean that they can make more money off of them. Uh, but now that just means that they uh, are going to lose a lot more money off them. The hedge fund. Hundreds of million. Melvin, more money than we will ever see in our lives combined. Uh, Melvin Capital, I think, reported today that they lost 50% of their everything in this past, like, two weeks. Holy Jesus. And I've heard people be like, but what about the jobs of the people who work at the stock? Like, I'm sorry. I don't care. Hedge fund manager, go get a different job. You're gross. Yeah. Showing my colors here. Um, so, yeah. Before all this started, GameStop was trading right at about 20. They were hoping it was going to drop down to about zero, make whatever on the 12 million shares or whatever that were outstanding. Uh, today it actually dropped down because more of the action is probably going to happen later this week as people continue to hold on the stock because... Eventually, they have to pay it back. So you, the theory is you hold out until they have to pay. Uh -huh. uh, although some people are... There's a lot of shit going on right now. And I'm trying to not get really pissed and dour about it. Because there's some 
real blatant misinformation happening right now. But Well, and every time we turn around, a new thing has happened. So by the time that this episode comes out, we're going to be a week out of date. Uh, but when market closed on Friday, I think it was sitting at 325. 325, yeah. yes. Uh, today it closed at 225, which is down from that three, but it's not over yet. I think people are expecting it to possibly peak more like Wednesday, Thursday, if not go into next week. Oh, Jesus. And they just need to kind of hold the line, keeping as the... long as they hold the line. If people start getting scared off and shit starts getting sold off, then it basically the hedge funds are just still going to just end up making money on it again. At this point, a lot of them have taken advantage of the storing sock and invested anyway and are going to be making money as well. But at least in this case, we're also seeing... Other people make money? Average people make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think... Ooh, Jesus. I think Deep Fucking Value might have bought a lot of his shares back when they were only like 20 cents at one point. Oh, Jesus. Like I said, said, he actually is... uh, a decently well-off investor anyway. He just likes to take big portions <laughs> of his money and still do these weird kind of shits. <laughs> I guess if you can afford it, I don't understand the stock market or the appeal of it at all. Uh, but part of this wasn't just that uh, GameStop's the big one because it was the one where, you know, they did the fucking, the short squeeze shit and all that. There's squeezes going on at the other companies. We've been talking for months now about how bad AMC is doing. They were, I mean, as recently as a couple weeks ago, being like, we don't know if we're going to reopen. Like, we've, they've sold off all of their theaters in some country. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, so before that, this fiasco started, uh, AMC was, stock was about $2. So remarkably bad. Uh, it's currently sitting at 13. Its peak was just under 20. And it's getting roped in with this along with Nokia and BlackBerry. And if people hold, it might also spike up to maybe like the 90, 100 range before this is all over. So not as exciting as GameStop, but still a huge increase. <laughs> and I believe uh, the AMC, from what I've read, it seems like the AMC company themselves have done what it they need to with this increased stock prices to make sure that they're going to stay in business for, I think, at least two more years. Yeah, I heard up to five, but I don't know for sure. But yeah, basically, they just saved the theater industry. Yeah. The movie theater industry. I think Cinemark has also seen a little bit of an uptick, mm-hmm. but not as much as like AMC. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these things where hedge funds were betting on these companies just going under and making money off of people losing their jobs. Now, a lot of like normal everyday people are making good money off of them. Well, and not just that, but like, oh, I'm really going to show my colors here. No one's been fucking helping them. These any of these companies, big companies, small, well, I mean, very big companies, but like. The companies that need help. No one's been helping them. Right. So people decided to, which is remarkable because no one's been helping the people either. But the people are still finding ways to help themselves and each other. 
and people I don't I as a not capitalist I'm still remarkably impressed by this and like the uh, in Rome they would have called it the power of the plebs but uh <laughs> well and it's also interesting just because a lot especially of the people from like the original people from Wall Street bets like I said this is kind of just what they do and they normally live very similar existences to me and you anyway mm -hmm. Basically, so they work in a grocery store and... They don't care if they lose the money. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people right now holding on just to make the statement. Well, and I know a lot of people who invested as much money as they could at the beginning, but enough that, you know, they're not going to be out billions of dollars. Worst case scenario, that hundred bucks or whatever they first started with is gone again. Um, whatever. <laughs> it's mostly been done as jokes just to further perpetuate the meme but there is people that uh have already put their gamestop stock into their will to pass on to their kids because that's how committed they are to holding <laughs> <laughs> that's uh impressive uh, I know a guy who has, I think, 11 shares. He got in on it pretty early. And mm -hmm. if it hits 1,000, him and his brother-in-law are getting diamond hands tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, most of this is... I mean, some of the people have put in probably too much money. But a, a lot of people have just... I've got 100 bucks to spare. I've got 200 bucks to spare. And that's part of what impresses me so much about this. I don't get it. I'm still worried it's going to backfire on us somehow. But it's a powerful statement in an age where we kind of need statements like this. Yeah. I really thought I was going to end up being able to explain it in a way that was more entertaining. But mostly it, it, it's the stock. As soon as I start thinking about it, as soon as I start thinking about it, it just starts hurting my brain. <laughs> it's really not the type of shit I normally follow. And it's been a lot of trying to educate myself to even follow some of these stories. But if they hadn't saved AMC, I doubt we would have covered this one. <laughs> All right. Hit us with something easier. How about a, a, a Johnny Storm? So normally I said my Johnny Storm would be from either like the Friday or the... We're on Monday, so either mm -hmm. Friday or Monday or over the course of the weekend. Something new and hot. New and hot. Well, this technically happened before Friday, but as far as our interests are concerned, I think it's, it's the hot It's pretty new news. and hot. Uh, we have a lot of the main principal cast announced for the Netflix Sandman series. Pretty excited. We have Tom Sturridge as Dream. He kind of looks like a young Neil Gaiman, so that's appropriate, because so did Dream. Uh, I didn't watch Velvet Buzzsaw, though that he was, he was most recently in that. However, I did see him as a young child in the made-for-TV Gulliver's Travels that starred Ted Danson, if you remember that. I have, but that was, what, 20 years ago? 30 yeah, years he ago? He was a young Gulliver. Okay. <laughs> um, I have spent, since I've seen this, going, where have I seen this man before? I doubt that's what I was thinking of. I just love me some Ted Danson. Nope, that's great. Uh, we have Vivian Achimpong as Lucien, the gender-swapped version of Lucien. The, the librarian guy. The librarian. She apparently is in the remake of The Witches, but I have yet to see it. That just came out pretty recently, mm -hmm. so... 
That book gave me nightmares as a child. The Witch? Oh, yeah. I don't think I ever finished it. It scared me too much. I definitely finished it, but it was one of the ones that I read not as much. (laughs) Oh, also, if you never finished it, like, the ending is sad. Yeah, it was Roald Dahl's... Anyways. No, like... Okay, (laughs) spoilers for the book version of The Witches... Just because we have to bring this up now. Uh, He chooses to stay as a mouse at the end because they have shorter lifespans and his grandma's getting old and he doesn't want to live without her. Jesus, fuck. (laughs) Good God, Roald Dahl. I know that was him writing for a more adult audience, but Jesus. Uh, We have Sanjeev Baskar as Kane. It's a very I, different cane than I think of usually, but that's fine. It was always going to be. Uh, I think, I mean, mostly British stuff, but not stuff I've seen. Uh, although he was in that Yesterday movie. Good for him. I didn't watch that either. Although I, I remember seeing the, that yeah, movie. I remember seeing the trailers. It looked fine. He was in a Doctor Who episode, though. Ooh, which one? Uh, Death in Heaven. He was Colonel Ahmed. Okay. I don't remember him. I know it was a Peter Capaldi episode, yeah. but... Uh, it was one of the uh, Cybermen ones. I never like old and get into that. <laughs> uh, to go along with Kane, we have Asim Chowdhury as Abel. Uh, he did... I, oh, he, I never did do this either, though, and I keep meaning to. The Black Mirror Bandersnatch, he's in that. The sort of choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. I, that's such a neat idea, and I never... Yeah, I don't know. I'll give this for Neil Gaiman. He was always one that's like, you know what we need more of? Representation. And he like owns it. So those were those were the guys are probably the the least known because they're mm-hmm. primarily British and to be fair, like Indian actors do not have enough like representation yet. Mm-hmm. So then going in, we have the Corinthian played by Boyd Holbrook. This makes me happy. He was the bad guy in Logan. Okay, yes. The young bad guy. That should be fun. Yeah. This is inspired. Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer. That is... You know, I wasn't a big fan of the Mike Carey Lucifer spinoff series, but if they do Gwendolyn Christie as the head lead of it, I'm in. Sign me up. I know we already have uh, a Tom Lucifer. Ellis. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Tom Ellis. I hear you're really great in that, and I don't doubt you. But Gwendolyn Christie... I'm actually surprised that I haven't seen more uproar about her casting. I was kind of waiting for it. Yeah, but everyone's also sort of in love with Gwendolyn Christie. Like, she seems to be one of those actresses that has largely been accepted across fandoms. Also, I just never would have thought of it, but her face legit looks like some of the panels of Mm -hmm. Lucifer. Visually, it's right. And just, she could play a great Lucifer. The other big one that was announced... Charles Dance as Roderick Burgess. Burgess? Burgess? I don't remember. Charles, that's the one of the Game of Thrones guys. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, Tyrion's dad. Yeah, yeah, Tywin. Yeah, he plays the patrician in one of the uh, uh, adaptations of Ooh. the Discworld stuff. Oh, it's so good. I, I usually think of him from Space Truckers, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're the that's only one. You are the me. only one. <laughs> Uh, no, Charles Dance is always just 
incredible. He owns it every time I've seen him on the screen. I didn't even like Game of Thrones and I liked it. He was the best part of Game of Thrones, looking back on it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everything he did on screen in that show was mind-blowing. Also, I think he's going to be a really good Roderick Burgess, I think. Burgess is the one that captures captures Dream, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yep, that should be uh, interesting and terrifying. And that's all we have so far. I have seen a lot of people uh, who don't even want to weigh in on the casting until we find out who our death is. Fair. That's... Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to think of who I would cast as death. No idea. Ooh, actually, I take that back. Who? Zendaya. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, yeah. I don't have a better solution than that. Zendaya would... Maybe Pearl Mackey? Okay. She played Bill Potts Mm -hmm. on Doctor Who? It would be a very different death. Zendaya could pull off a much more traditional, like, Neil Gaiman's death. Yeah, a traditional Neil Gaiman's death, which is not your traditional (laughs) death, but... (laughs) Um, yo, no, that's that's our, uh, our hotness. All right, uh, I've got kind of two for Invisible Girl because they're so small and invisible that we would have missed them anyways. Uh, and not much is happening in the comic scene, which is what I tend to go to for those. Uh, first off, Chapter House Publishing is merging with Lev Gleason something or another and becoming Comic House. Um, I am mentioning this for two reasons. One, I have mentioned Chapter House before. They're a small Canadian company that have been making books like uh, Captain Canuck and The Pitiful Human Lizard, which is so good, and um, Fantima, who is a undead jungle girl. Mm. So pretty great. And I, I've mentioned them before because they're small, a, a small comic company, and I like trying to support those where I can. And mixing with Lev Gleason, who used to be a major comic book publisher up until it folded in the 60s, uh, and they're writing a book based off of one of my favorite Golden Age characters called The Death-Defying Devil, formerly The Death-Defying Daredevil, but Mm. once Marvel made Daredevil, they couldn't keep using that. Uh, Death-Defying Devil was the inspiration for Peter Cannon, and Peter Cannon was the inspiration for Ozymandias. So in very, very changed formats, without Death-Defying Devil, you wouldn't have Watchmen. And then my other small one, because there's, as I said, nothing that exciting on it. Uh, Brian Bendis is no longer exclusive at DC Comics. And Brian Bendis being exclusive at DC was a pretty major deal when it happened. He had been working at Marvel for like 15 years. He had been one of their main writers that entire time. And when he left and went exclusive to DC, it was the biggest like creative catch like successful sales catch that DC had gotten in a long time. And they kicked a pretty successful Superman creative team off of the, their book to give it to Brian Bendis. Mm. And then they fired him off of Superman and he's still working for them. He's writing justice league. So he's still doing one of their big books, but he's not exclusive and they're not paying him what was, I don't know how much, but was supposed to be a pretty absurd rate for how much money comics make. Like, he got a sweet deal that is not there anymore, and we've been tracking whatever the hell is going on over at DC Comics right now. 
And this is kind of another sign of uh, AT&T is not willing to deal with the comic industry in the form that it's been in since, I don't know, the mid-90s? Mm. Hmm. Which is good and bad. Right. Do you, can you think of anything this might lead to other than we'll just get some stories from Brian Michael Bendis elsewhere? Um, I could see him going back to Image for some stuff, which would be pretty interesting because he was pretty heavily involved with Image for a while until he went exclusive at Marvel and brought all of his books over to Marvel, which was a pretty big loss for Image. I think we are coming closer to the end of the exclusive creator and like hyping them up in a lot of the ways that comics have been doing for a while What with, you know, Mark Miller or uh, Jeff Johns, who started as a nobody, went exclusive at DC and then catapulted himself up to working on the Wonder Woman movies mm-hmm. and Justice, like being one, a, a big name in like uh, DC beyond just comic books. Jeff Loeb did something similar for Marvel, although he's... Both of my examples have kind of fallen out of grace, but that's, it is what it is. I don't know what it means yet. It does mean, in some ways, I think, opportunities for some more up-and-coming artists who don't charge as high on their page rate. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Like, comics need new names. But new names, because they're cheap, always makes me nervous. Right. Comics have not had a good year, and I'm really scared to see what happens next while also admitting that, I mean, we're like the theater industry. We are calcifying. I can't, I got to stop saying we, I'm not part (laughs) of this industry, but comics were calcifying and they can't keep that up. Yeah. And I want them to stay. So I hope it's good. Me too. Me too. So I, I have our Ben Grimm, our thing. Okay. Uh, at first, I thought it was going to be a clobber in time because some other unfortunate news came up. But this is too good to pass up talking about. So last Friday, Warner Brothers revealed when the Snyder Cut's going to be released, March 18th. Mm-hmm. Along with that, <laughs> they announced that the movie would be getting a, quote, immersive at home dining experience via a meal kit from Wonderland at home. What does that mean? It sounds like MREs from the military. I mean, these these meal kits have been taken off. You hear like the blue know, apron I, things everywhere. <laughs> blue apron, so, please pay for us. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Wonderland at home. There's going to be a themed meal kit to tie into Justice League. Well, they just announced uh, their first dish, which is Aquaman expired. Inspired. Expired. Wildly different situation <laughs> there, big guy. Uh, the Ocean Trench. It's Icelandic cod piled high on a crisp potato base, drizzled with a tart French dressing, and topped with beer batter scraps. Oh, that sounds really bad for you. They also don't even have a picture of it. They released a drawing. Okay, you know what I trust? Absolutely none of this. This is awful. (laughs) Here's the drawing of the ocean trench. Oh, they're not even trying with the drawing. I could do that. I'm not a terrible artist, but Jesus, like, that's... No. Uh, It was designed by Michelin-starred chef Carl O'Dell, but... It sounds just basically like fish fingers. 
I mean, as as I'm seeing people point out, the only thing Aquaman is inspired about it is that it's seafood. Yeah. And I mean, as a fan of Star Wars, I don't get to judge odd product placement too heavily, but also. And like everything's going to be soggy with it all in a bowl, right? Probably. I don't know. I don't. <sighs> I don't. I don't. I don't know. This one, do, this, this one is... does not sound like a one that I'm going to be super up for, but I think <laughs> that they have announced what a couple of the other dishes are going to be inspired by. There's going to be a Cornfields of Smallville inspired dish called Resurrection. Almost everything we eat is corn anyways, just... <laughs> and another meal is called Ancient Themyscirin Fire. Oh, it's going to be bad Greek food. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Really bad. I'm so curious just how bad it's going to be <laughs> after seeing the drawing of the ocean trench dish. <sighs> uh, you can order they are the meal. not trying hard. <laughs> there is a, you can order the meal kit for two, though, for $130 or a four-person kit for $240. For one meal? For Yes, but I believe it's um, multiple dishes. Oh, still, that feels so expensive. Oh no, the yeah the the meal for two is called the mother box for two. Yeah, it will have the ocean trench, uh, two times big belly burgers, the resurrection, the ancient the mascara and fire, some snacks and extras, a cold brow beer, okay, and some jitters coffee. Okay, this is sounding a little better. Like price wise, but oh, jitters like flash. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. I'm on. <laughs> I'm on to you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably not gonna jump in on this meal kit. I have not jumped in on a meal kit yet, and there was even a fucking Kevin Smith one, so I doubt Snyder Cut's gonna get my money for that. But oh yeah, Kevin Smith went pretty hard on it on the he... movies pop up stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was, I'm, I'm, I'm still tempted. I think you still can get one. I'm still <laughs> tempted. And it hasn't happened. Uh, that's our news. Yeah. Yeah. Although now I'm also tempted to say that I will do this just to watch the Snyder Cut with it, but I'm not going don't, to. Don't spend $240 on this. <laughs> if I do, we're all watching the Snyder Cut together. <laughs> I mean, I'll do that with you. I'm just not eating that food. No. So many good restaurants, not even far from here. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't, I don't under. People know how to use DoorDash now. We've been going through the pandemic for how long? Like, <laughs> right? Like this is such a hard sell. Um, you know what we forgot? What we've been ingesting? Yeah. What have you been ingesting? Uh, mostly I fell back into Food Wars again. I didn't mean to, but I'm reading it again. I own literally thousands of comic books, and you gave me an app that gives me access to 26,000 more of them. Oh, some of them you already have. Fine. 25,000 <laughs> more of them. And I'm just reading 36 volumes of Food Wars. Uh, probably about 28. I'll drop off. But, uh, <laughs> god damn. Uh, and then I watched about half of the season of Doctor Who of... <laughs> The season, this is five, because we wa I watched the episode for today and then just kept going. Uh, uh, nice. My ingesting has been really boring. It's been a lot of the same old things. So instead, I'm going to say that yesterday I might have 
yesterday it combined with this morning and we'll see if I actually go along with it into the future but I spent a good deal of time looking information back up and I may have convinced myself to uh, jump back into Guild Wars 2 for the first time in six years. Don't you have this like long list of games you've been meaning to get to? Yes. <laughs> however, like, you've been I, telling me for six months as soon as I finished The Witcher. However, I miss the world. That's fair. I've I keep wanting to jump back into Old Republic for the same reason. I uh, I put probably close to eighteen hundred hours into the first Guild Wars, uh, and was a guild leader. Uh, the guild never got super serious, but uh, we probably had like. 30 active members at our peak and would like set up different raids and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Um, played Guild Wars 2 when it first dropped pretty hard for the first year or so, but there was just too much going on in my life at the time. And that was about the time when I needed a new computer before this one. I, I saw a meme recently of uh, the hedge fund shouldn't have bet against people that used to organize 40 person World of Warcraft raids. It's fucking true. <laughs> it's fucking true. Um, but I've missed it. And I was like trying to describe someone to someone the, the Codex Alera books the other day. And when I got to the canon, I was wanting to be like, well, they're like the char. And then I realized the person didn't know what the char were. And I was like, they're not like the char, but <laughs> I want to go play as a char elementalist again really bad okay you say char and i think of either char anthonable or char Lizard, like so big know. nine foot tall mean kitties all right i'm in it's horns <laughs> i'm in i'm not i didn't like guild wars much but uh and i don't know i i wouldn't play it seriously again anymore especially since the game's eight years in no but you might have some goofs but i want to see the world again i get it i've been thinking of going back to skyrim recently so i really am not throwing stones mm -hmm. um yeah we'll see we'll see if it actually ends up happening but i ended up uh making everything i did yesterday take way longer than normal because i kept just going back and looking up information so that's all all right um let's take a quick break and then dive into the 11th hour so every time we do Doctor Who, which is kind of my like, man, I'm feeling kind of tired lately. I want like a chill episode. What about Doctor Who? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's watch some Doctor Who. We had a lot of emotions after last week. Let's watch Doctor Who or last episode. Let's watch oh, Doctor 1984. Who. <laughs> um, and we try to do a different Doctor every time. So far. So far. Because why not? There's enough of them. Yeah, there's 13 of them. <laughs> like, there's options. Um, and honestly, I had been thinking about the early Matt Smith episodes a lot lately. Because this season might be, in my opinion, one of Doctor Who's finest, like one of its highest points. Uh, this is season five. The Doctor had just taken over... That says season three on your thing, but that's not correct. No, that's season 31. 31! That makes more sense. Season five of the new series, Stephen Moffat had just taken over as the uh, new head story person of Doctor Who after Russell T. Davies left. Matt Smith had 
just stepped in this episode after uh, David Tennant left. Basically, every major thing changes here. And the question was, can the series survive that? I mean, even with a regenerating doctor, everything up to this point had been under Russell T. Davies. Mm -hmm. And Moffat, for whatever we think of Moffat, which I'm sure we'll discuss, just knocks it out of the park in this episode. I really like this episode. Mm -hmm. I think of New Who... By default, someone has to be the least favorite, and it's Matt Smith out of the Doctors for me. I don't know who it is for me. I I know my top two are Capaldi and Eccleston, so it's one of the other three, but they exist so close to each other that I don't have... Uh, and I think it's because Smith's early stuff is so good. His later stuff fell too deep into everything that Peter Capaldi, not Peter Capaldi, that uh, Stephen Moffat gets wrong. Right. It gets so muddled. But Smith himself was always like on fire with it. Uh, he's always game. Mm-hmm. He's just. No, he's, he's my least favorite characterization of the Doctor. There's so always far. a worst, as you yeah. said. Like, that's not. <laughs> Um, oh no, I just really like your show instead of really, really like your show. Exactly. Like, like there was nothing. And actually, I, I was pointing out to you kind of while we were watching it a little bit before we started recording, like, even though he's probably my least favorite of the new Who Doctors, mm-hmm. and overall probably has some of my least favorite storylines... He like none of his episodes are my absolute least favorite. My absolute least favorite is a fucking Capaldi episode. What's your least favorite? Uh, Rings Vakanaten. Nope, that's a Smith episode. Oh, that is a, that's a Smith episode. Yep, it's when oh, he's still I traveling thought, with Claire. Oh, that's why right. is that your least Ooh, favorite I episode? I hate Rings Vakanaten. Oh, I like that one. If we're gonna talk worse, we're gonna talk like Fear Her and the Scribble Monster, I'd, or those ones don't actively annoy me so much though. Like. You can literally explain the entire plot of Rings of Akhenaten by the fact that they didn't give... When the initial ceremony happens on the planet, Yeah. everyone there at the ceremony actually partakes in the ceremony and gives something. Yeah. And they don't. And the, the, the thing doesn't end until they actually partake and give things themselves. So if they just done their damn jobs, it would have been fine? Yeah, if they would have just <laughs> taken place at this fucking ceremony that they showed up to take part in, everything would have been fine. Huh, okay. I just like Matt Smith's speech in that one, to be honest with you. Uh, and it does kind of show up of Matt Smith's range of, from like, childlike boyishness to grumpy, angry, old man is he he does it so well uh and you see it a little bit here it, it's interesting with smith replacing tenant and this was kind of the biggest worry thing like eccleston hadn't been on long enough to be fully like firmly established but tenant was on for three seasons and like uh, several specials he had one of the longer doctor who runs or like as a doctor runs so who they were going to pick next was a huge deal and they were originally like, oh, we'll get someone middle-aged. And instead they chose Smith is 28, I think, here. Yeah, 28. 
mean, he was older than me, but not by much. And apparently, like, from the moment they auditioned, they're like, well, that's the new doctor. <laughs> I guess we're done. I, I mean, everyone else is here, so we should probably watch them. But that's the, that's our guy. But anyways, this one, 11th Hour, which this we do a really like. Episode. I really, really like this episode. This is one of my, like, top three, maybe top four episodes of if I'm going to introduce you to this show, and this is, like, if I'm going to recommend a starting point, this is one of them. It's like Rose, the original one. Original of New Who. I don't introduce people to Classic Who until I've got them a little connected to New Who anymore. Mm-hmm. And I love Classic Who, but it's it's more of an investment to jump in in 2020 than back in the day. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Rose. It's the 11th hour. It's Pilot, which is the first one that we covered on General Nerdery for Doctor Who. And the first Jody episode. Mm. And it, a lot of times it's a, like, new showrunner, new doctor, except for Pilot. Let's let's die all dive in together. And even that one's a new companion. If you can get yeah. like the trifecta of new showrunner, new companion, and new doctor, it's it, a good. It's jump almost in. always a good jump in point. That's true. That's true. God, okay, so eleventh hour. It's been a while since I rewatched it. It's been several years for me. Uh, I think I like it even more now. I was able to watch it. Yeah, I think so because this is one of the first times I've watched it like critically. Like, what do I think of this episode as opposed to just, I'm here for the experience. And it is insanely tightly plotted. It is, there. there's none of the, like, Stephen Moffat wander that happens. No, it all, the, the most wandering that happens is something that still has to happen to establish that he's a new doctor. And it's just Smith's wonkiness at the beginning. Mm -hmm. One thing I appreciate is he has some... In this first episode, he has some of Ten's mannerisms still more than we see in any other point of him being the Doctor. Well, I mean, even just his his little speech at the end feels very Ten rather than the speeches we we see from Smith later on to me. A little bit, but also, I mean, just like the we've had some cowboys in here, mm. which is a line that he says there's another one. Uh, he has a few lines that are straight Tenant references and part of me wonders if they existed in an earlier form of the script, because originally Tennant was considering staying on for another season mm. and decided to leave when Russell T. Davies was. And you can see in this episode, even though it does beautifully introduce Matt Smith, the uh, moments of it where Tennant could have played this episode almost identically and had it work fine. Okay, so here's... Maybe here's a little bit why it might feel a little bit tenny mm -hmm. and a little bit tied in, tighter in for Moffat. And I don't know how intentional this was, but I did see something pointing out that this episode is basically Smith and Jones. It does follow a lot of the same plot device. In Smith and Jones, you have... A hospital harboring a disguised alien fugitive from justice, the Plasmavore, uh, so that the Jadoon threatened to Space destroy... Rhinos! Sorry, I love, love the Jadoon. The <laughs> Their costuming is perfect. Uh, threatened to destroy the hospital. In this one, it's just that the Earth is harboring Prisoner Zero, so the Atraxi threatened to destroy the Earth. 
Doctor Who does this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure I even am saying this as a critique, but they will just go, oh, we have the same basic episode idea and just do it again. But maybe in a different era or in a different. I mean, the most recent episode is somebody invented a Dalek and they don't realize it's a Dalek. Oh, no. And so the doctor has to stop them. That's victory of the Daleks, except mm -hmm. without Winston Churchill. And it's also kind of inventing the Cybermen accidentally. Just God, Daleks I hate instead. the Cybermen, but yes. Uh, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because they do so many things that it makes sense that they'd eventually find their own little weird repeats. Right, and I mean... Stories repeat. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to get down on it saying that it's... But no, it's a very fair point. And I was thinking about it watching these Doctor Who being like, I've watched this episode before. And not just that I've watched the season like a hundred times. But I've watched this episode before, but with like Jody or with... Uh, um, even farther back, like Sylvester McCoy or mm -hmm. whoever. Like it happens. There's just a lot less Roko Joko Rokoho. In this. Mm, and that's a loss. That is a loss. <laughs> Although, I really like the Atraxi. The Atraxi work in a way that only works in Doctor Who. You could not have that species in Star Trek or Star Wars or Stargate or other sci-fis that don't start with Star. Um, I like the Atraxi. Not my favorite, but I like the Atraxi. I just think visually they're really interesting. Yeah, there's, they're not deep. They're mm -hmm. the Jadoon with less costuming. I think, as I pointed out, I believe the uh, the Atraxi originated in the uh, Eighth Doctor adventures. That surprises me, because BBC is always really careful about... And they've included a few Eighth Doctor adventure references, but they're really careful about how much they do it, because as the BBC is a, a national company, there are certain rules about how much they can connect to other things, like, you know, pocketbooks or whatever. So, from what I understand, they can't necessarily make those canon, like, legally, mm. which is interesting and I had been unaware of. And I could be entirely wrong on. Uh, so, so how do we want to go over this? Like, there's not a lot to spoil. No, this episode came out 11 years ago this April. If you haven't watched it yet... 11 for the 11th hour in the 11th hour. That was doctor. not on purpose, but I'm rolling with it. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet... Just come back later. Watch the episode first. It's a better use of your time, and I like us. And Eleventh uh, <laughs> Doctor, eleventh hour. Also, the Doctor always saves things in the nick of time mm -hmm. at the eleventh no, hour. No, it's a perfect title. It's, and it also gives things away. I prefer the French uh, title for this episode. What's the French title? Prisoner Zero. No, I'm sticking with the eleventh hour on this one. I'll I didn't even why, know that but... was the French title. I always thought Prisoner Zero would be a better title for this because it's not quite so cutesy on the nose, which Moffat likes to do. It's okay. It was originally the Doctor Returns, so okay, they're yeah, still Doctor doing... Returns is way worse. <laughs> <laughs> like I will go with eleventh hour over Doctor Returns all fucking day long. All right, let's start with. But the... I have always thought that Prisoner Zero was a better title. And then I less? found, and then I found out that the French title is also Prisoner Zero. Huh. Uh, let's start with the very beginning, because it is the very first line they win me over with Amy Pond when she's praying to Santa. Mm. It's adorable that entire first scene. She's praying to Santa because there's a crack in her wall, 
please send a, uh, someone to help, like a policeman or something. And the TARDIS crashes in her backyard. And she's like, it's great, Santa. Thanks. Perfect. Yeah. Let's do this. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> you and me. We're cool. Um, I got you sometime, buddy. I've heard people raise complaints about the doctor hanging out with a kid or the doctor hanging out with, you know, attractive young teenage girls and it being creepy. And they're not always wrong. But I think this one does a good job of not having it be creepy. Mm -hmm. And just it's kind of two kids playing together. Yeah. Moffat was very openly being like, I am trying to target this towards kids, not like by dumbing it down. But by looking at what is it about the doctor that appeals to kids and let's play up that. So it's a little bit creepy and it's a little bit weird. Matt Smith is wonderful around young, uh, young Amy and doesn't come off creepy to me at all. No. I do feel like later into the Moffat run, he doesn't ever become creepy, but he's way more. And this feels weird after saying what happened with what happened with Tennant and Rose, but I feel like Smith acts more like a doctor boyfriend. With Clara, he definitely is enjoying the doctor boyfriend role, even though he is not mm -hmm. like he's at no point are they actually romantic, but he enjoys being, but he feels like when I think of doctor boyfriend, I think of him first over Tennant who like, I think clone Tennant goes off with Rose. God, that's creepy. Uh, I think it's because in his final episode, it starts with her pretending he's her boyfriend and meeting the family. And Smith is uh, Smith's doctor is like, yeah, let's do this. This sounds amazing. And what's the lines? It has been a while, but I'll read a manual or something like mm -hmm. that. Like, <laughs> you're like, well, that's going to go awful. Claire, what are you thinking? But yeah, he's not doctor boyfriend at all here. He's kind of doctor older brother mm -hmm. or like doctor... It's why in a later episode when Amy kisses the doctor and you're like, no. Yeah, don't do that. Don't know. And the doctor also is like, no. <laughs> um, it, it almost it didn't almost didn't even feel as familiar as like doctor older brother. It was like doctor really cool and knowledgeable child care worker. Yeah, doctor buddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like he knew what he was doing and how to handle this situation. Like. I don't, uh, it was weird, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel weird or creepy. Mm -hmm. It was weird how well he It was weird that. how not creepy it was. Yeah. yeah. It was... <laughs> like, you know, cause you explained that without explaining the doctor and strange man bursts into child's house and makes her cook things for him is a really horrific sentence. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's not, it's one of the most charming Doctor Who scenes of all time of the doctor being like, I need to eat. But I don't know what I want to eat because my entire body's going insane because I just regenerated. Carrying over the having to eat after seeing the master go through that, too, was also kind of... It was good and so much less creepy than mm -hmm. the master tearing apart and devouring a, like, cooked chicken, chicken hold with, like, just the green... Oh, God, I forgot about that. Um, Doctor has adorable time with hanging out with Amy quickly imprints Amy on him and as is later revealed throughout the series kind of imprints himself on Amy being like this one this mm -hmm. one is my friend now <laughs> <laughs> um, and has to uh, reveals the crack in her wall is a crack in time and space and then has to go forward in time and he's supposed to go 20 minutes uh, to, to help stabilize the TARDIS 
because the TARDIS just crashed and is having troubles. Mm-hmm. Messes up, comes out. They don't immediately reveal it, but it messes up, reveals they come. He accidentally comes back 12 years later when Amelia is now 19, I think, 20, somewhere in that age. Something, yeah, something like that. I think they, they do say it at some point, don't they? And I just missed it, or maybe not. I don't know if they say it this episode, but they do later talk mm-hmm. a little bit about her age. But yeah, about 19 or 20 years old. Uh, young adult stage. Mm-hmm. She's working as a kissogram, which I thought was kind of fun in a way that, like, kissograms are really creepy. Yeah. I do not, I don't like the, like, I'm pro-sex work, but there's something just weird about the kissogram to me. It's kind of like hiring someone a surprise stripper. Yeah. Like without telling them that it's coming or anything, like the people who pop up and they're like, yes, hello, I'm a package delivery man. Let's do that. No, man. <laughs> like, no. Um, but I remember it being like scandalous. Oh my God. They're going to like, the, the doctor is traveling with a kissogram. It, uh, what is happening to society? And we're being like, oh, get fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, man. Also, just let me admire Karen Gillan some more. Karen Gillan is gorgeous. Both of these people. Matt Smith is a very handsome man. Less what I'm looking for, but like, <laughs> I am, I am. Uh, yeah, Arthur Darville's to... fine. <laughs> I know people who are very in love with Arthur Darville, so I am going to assume that he is also a very good looking man. Uh, not quite as pretty as the other two, though. It's, that's an unfair comparison, though. Right. How do you stack up to Nebula? <laughs> Cece fell in love with Amelia Pond immediately. She was, because I had seen, I'd been watching Doctor Who pretty much since the new Who came out, but took her through this, and she was not happy when Donna left. Mm. She was real set that, like, no one can replace Donna. And, like, 15 minutes into this episode, she's like, I love Amy forever. (laughs) Yeah, you do, girl. Even Uh, when Amy's Amy's wrong, like, I still like Amy. Yeah, yeah. Because there's... I like, she can be a little insufferable some episodes, and I still like her. She can be very wrong. Um, And part of it is just the strength of Karen Gillan's acting. Her face is so expressive, and she's so good at these tiny moments. The the moment where she suddenly believes the doctor. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see that, like, shift from, like, no, this is insane, to, like, oh, my God, it's real. Or her slight panic attack right before she agrees to travel with the doctor. It is such minuscule acting, but she pulls it off just beautifully. It is weird going back and rewatching Fires of Pompeii, though, and seeing her. It's weirder seeing Peter Capaldi in Fires of That's Pompeii. True. Let's be honest. That's true. Like, That's a weird episode now. <laughs> it's not a great. It's not a great episode in the first no, place. It's, it's, not. Not a, it's not a great episode anyway. There. There are some nice bits in it. There is some really solid acting by Tennant and, um, oh God, why can't I think of Donna's, Donna Noble, uh, Catherine Tate. There we go. Uh, there's, there's some great bits between Tennant and Tate, but the episode itself is decidedly eh. And when I first heard that Capaldi, the guy from Fires of Pompeii was coming on, I was like, what? No, no, that's an awful idea. And Capaldi's my favorite doctor now. I, I mean, 
we're getting a little off topic, but I do. Us? My, my thought on Capaldi, though, was I was just like, oh, the fuckity fuck guy? Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I did hear about that. <laughs> I've never seen whatever that... Sh- I've seen, like, an episode of it, and it didn't make any sense, because I'd never... And he was also in uh, Neverwhere. And he was also in Torchwood. Hmm. So I've he's been on... Any Torchwood. I've seen the first season and part of the second season. It's horny Doctor Who, because Captain Jack is the main... Right. Um... It's fine. I've been meaning to rewatch it a little older and see if I enjoy it more. But the, like, alien that feeds off orgasms, sex energy, was not my favorite. <laughs> like, I don't know. I want to watch it as a recent description I heard was of uh, everyone thought it was X-Files, but it was really just, like, defining queer TV for the, like, early 20th, 21st century. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it someday. Who Everyone knows? is super gay in it. Okay. Sometimes bisexual, but just somewhere on the uh, the homosexual scale. Okay. LGBT scale. But this one. But this one. <laughs> um, bunch of people are in comas. It turns out it's because an alien is impersonating them. Yeah. The alien impersonates people in comas. The CG on the alien is not great, but, but it's, it's fine. fine. Doctor Who can get away with cheesy graphics better than just about any other show. Like, when it doesn't land on Star Wars, you notice that that doesn't look right. When it doesn't work on uh, Doctor Who, you're like, it's okay. They used to make this out of cardboard. What do we care? <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought we were going to have so much to talk about on this episode. And mostly know, I'm just like, I'm it's mostly... so good. Just go watch it Yeah, again. it's so much fun. No, okay, so the... I just, I love the badass boast at the end. The, uh, is this world protected? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it was one of the first times we really see Moffat liked to do this, to show all of the doctors leading up to your doctor, like the current doctor, and having like a big moment with the current doctor. Mm-hmm. This is the first time he does it. It's probably the best time he does it. It is such a good way of being like, oh, you've never seen Doctor Who before? Okay, that's okay. This guy's had other faces. Here's the other faces. But then also when when Matt Smith steps through those other the the hologram of the other doctors that is being shown, that is the moment that he becomes the doctor. Mm-hmm. Up through that, as he's talking about, he's still discombobulated. He, yeah, he's not done cooking yet with his new regeneration, because usually they're like, I'm going to go have a lie down for a while. Mm-hmm. And Smith is like, let's go save the world. And we saw him right beforehand finally pick out some threads, too. That was kind of fun, watching him, like, deal with the aliens while picking out the threads. It showed how little he thinks of the Atraxi. Like, mm-hmm. you could have destroyed the world, but whatever, dude. Like, come on. I face Daleks. You're yeah. not that scary. I do. I don't want to. I, Smith becomes the doctor in that role. Mm-hmm. For me, it is helped by, and I don't know how like the exact number of episodes beforehand. But like you said, this episode feels, he does feel slightly 10E in mm-hmm. this one. And we're not, in the grand scheme of things, that far removed from like Family of Blood. Yeah. Which is Tenet at his scariest. Yeah, and I it think is that, some of Tenet's creepiest. And that, I think... Oh I no, love... but Waters of Mars is his creepiest. I'm going to give Ooh, it that. Maybe. Which yeah. is real close to this one too. But I think it helps that we've been having this build up all this time Mm -hmm. and we get up to this moment where the doctor is then turning it around and telling someone else, hey, run, run, 
well, and intends regeneration at the end of the episode after the Sycorax. I can't believe I still remember that. <laughs> the Sycorax flee and Harriet Jones blows them up in uh, Christmas Invasion. He tells Harriet Jones, oh, I gave them the wrong warning because he was like, this world is protected. Go. He's like, I should have told them to run instead. And then this time he does. Mm -hmm. But he also tells them it's protected. Like, this is like, come on, man. I've put work. Into he says that. He's uh, are you oh, of this yeah. planet? No, but I've put a lot of work into it. Which I think is reused from a different Moffat episode. That doesn't surprise me. Moffat recycles a ton. Which I is why think. we had bad angels episodes, which we did not need to have bad angels episodes. Oh, yeah, that was uh, from The Curse of Fatal Death. I forgot that Moffat wrote The Curse of Fatal <laughs> If you've never seen The Curse of Fatal Death, it is a short that Moffat wrote that is... Considered Doctor Who, but it's not like canon Doctor Who. Right. But everyone just adapted to it so much. And it stars Rowan right. Atkinson as the Doctor. And I don't know who plays the Master in it, but it's... Oh. Uh, uh, he does a good job in, I'll like, old-school Master way. Jonathan Price. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would have been a great Master. Uh, it's uh, Governor Swan from Pirates of the Caribbean. Holy shit. Um, but it, it's a short, like, ten-minute episode, and it, the Doctor is going to get married and retire, and he's trying to make peace with the Master. But the Master keeps trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. So he keeps regenerating, but he's already, like, planned for this to happen. Right. <laughs> Isn't Richard E. Gant in that, too? Yeah, he cycles through being Richard E. Grant, Jim Broadbent, Hugh Grant, and then Joanna Lumley. Uh, Richard Grant almost came back as the doctor at one point. They did some animated shorts called The Scream of the Shalka. And he came back as the Grand Intelligence, the Great Intelligence in the later Smith stuff, which was only okay because the Great Intelligence is a half-ass character. But Grant was fun. I mean, uh, this is insane. Jim Broadbent. That's Moulin Horace Rouge. Slughorn. Yeah, Only Fools and Horses. Uh... I mean, Hugh Grant, we should all know it. We know, we know yeah. who Hugh Grant is, yeah. Uh, and then Joanna Lumley was a Bond girl on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And she also did a number of other things, including oh, the bad, like... like one of the bad Bond movies. Yeah, oh, um, okay. I think she was also in the New Avengers. Not the New Avengers that we normally No, I think. know. The, the Emma Peel, the mm -hmm. Stephen Peel. It really shows how big Doctor Who was in Britain. Like, we talk about it. But it was... The show. And it is still the show. In a way that I don't think America really has an equivalent to Doctor Who. Right. Seeing the picture of Rowan Atkinson kind of makes me want to rewatch some Blackadder, but that's neither here nor there. But yes. <laughs> I hear he's kind of a dick in real life, but that happens. Eh, kind of makes sense, I think. It, it, it does not surprise me. Uh, I'm so, trying to think of... The other cool thing with this episode i think is it sometimes i like this sometimes i don't in this case i like that from the jump with smith we're set up with three of the major arcs already mm -hmm. or depending on how you want to slice it down you could say that they're all kind of connected too but the, the you crack have the, the crack universe. you have 
Uh, Pandorica. The, the Pandorica will open and Silence Will Fall. Silence Will Fall was the one I was let down by. Mm. Um, and not because I didn't like the silence because the silence were creepy. But I've watched a few episodes. There are a few moments of like setting up for the silence that don't really make sense with what the silence are. Like there's a moment in Vampires of Venice where everything goes quiet for a moment. And the doctor's like, Rory, what are you hearing? He goes, I don't know. I just hear silence. And they go on about it. But that doesn't make any sense with what the silence are. Mm -hmm. So I feel like maybe the plan changed partway through or maybe Moffat pulled an RTD and set up a really interesting back thing, but couldn't quite stick the landing there, but still made something interesting and cool. Uh, I kind of like that it was interesting. With things like movies, a lot of the times it ends up being bad when you introduce too many things at one time because you only have so long to tell that story. Mm -hmm. We already know that this is going to be a long running story. So I like the setup of like these different threads that you can follow through the episodes. I do enjoy it. They sometimes went a little too far, but I don't think they did this season. I know the Pandorica episodes are a little nonsensical, but like... Yeah, they're not my favorite, but... I like I like them more than the Impossible, Impossible Girl stuff, though. I will defend Clara. I don't care I, for the I Impossible Girl. I love Clara. Back I hate the fucking... How much they and leaned into that. Mm -hmm. Where, like, every other thing was the Impossible Girl. At this, oh, she's the Impossible Girl. At this point, I was like, man, Moffat... How tired are you of this show? And then he got Capaldi and suddenly was not tired of that show again for a couple years. Mm -hmm. God, that boast. That's that's this episode for me. It is the defining moment. Uh, and just the random little jokes. Jokes that you wouldn't expect. Like the masturbation jokes with Jeff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he never, was obviously looking at porn. <laughs> never in a million years would I have expected just openly like, that dude's watching porn without saying the word porn in an episode of Doctor Who. Also fun, that dude's one of the main characters in Umbrella Academy. That's, oh shit, that's him? Yeah. That is him. I've watched some <laughs> Umbrella Academy. That's the, I'm pretty sure it's the uh, the gorilla guy. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of his name. Uh, the, the slightly, I mean, he's fine, but he's not the interesting part of that show. No, he's not Elliot Page. Um, uh, no offense to Elliot. Also not the interesting part of that show <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> Although I heard is a lot better in season two. Season one. Mm. Eh, fair enough. So did had you heard some of the, the runner-ups that almost got 11th Doctor? I did, but it's been about 10 to, 15, 10 to 12 years, so. Uh, and I found a little bit of a list here. Had a Chuatel Edgia 4. Baron Mordo was almost... I love Matt Smith, but I'm suddenly wildly angry. Uh, he turned down the offer due to scheduling conflicts and contractual disagreements with the BBC. Fair enough, man. But God, that would have been good. Uh, James McAvoy. Professor X? Yeah. He would have been fine. Yeah, he would have. I don't see. He, I don't think. I, I think he would have been fine. I like he him. He would have been good. I, I like him. I don't see it well. I don't know what his doctor would be. I could see what, uh, I don't, I'm sorry, Chuatel? Chuatel, IG4, yeah. Yeah. He would have, mm, that that would have been, like, possibly my favorite doctor ever. Ooh, okay, here, I'll actually back it up a little bit. Uh, 
McAvoy was one of the runner-ups. I'm going to hold off on the other runner-up, even though it's not as amazing as McAvoy, because there are some other people that were screen-tested. Uh, Sean Pertwee. Boromir? No. No, Sean Pertwee, uh, the third Doctor's son. Son. Who I actually didn't know he was screen tested? He screen tested for it. Um, He's talked before about how he really wants to be on Doctor Who, but he doesn't want to play his dad. I want him to play his dad so bad. Everyone though. wants him to play his dad. He looks so much like his dad. He would be the perfect way to bring the third Doctor back for. And I get why he doesn't mm-hmm. want to just play his dad, but like, he could do it. And also, one of the second Doctor's sons could play the second Doctor pretty well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dudley Dursley, Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter was one of uh, Patrick Troughton's grandkids. Oh. So his, oh. his son, or his grandson, is, yeah. Uh, Matthew Horn. Uh, I'd, I'm not very, I don't know necessarily who Matthew Horn is, though it seems to be famous for being on Gavin and Stacey. Nah, I've never heard of it. He's a British actor of... Some success. Good for him. I think uh, Gavin and Stacey was James Corden produced. Oh, cool. Okay, so it's probably pretty good then. Uh, Patterson Joseph. Oh, he was on like Peep Show and stuff. He looks He's familiar. Cool. I'm not playing. He was also him, in the Aeon Flux movie from 2005. <laughs> oh, I, I saw that, but it was like when it came out. Uh, he was on Neverwhere. He was the Marquis de Carabas. He is Roderick in an episode of Doctor Who. Uh, oh, he's in Bad Wolf and the Parting of the Ways. He's the other. Uh, oh, the the person that takes him out or uh, is trying to take her out in yeah. the weakest link. Okay. Yeah. Huh. You know what? He was fine. I never would have considered. I don't oh, have. He's enough... also in Jekyll. He's great in Jekyll too. I don't have enough information to judge him based off of the one thing I've seen him, which was a crappy Doctor Who person. <laughs> and then Peter Capaldi was considered to be the eleventh Doctor as well, but Moffat didn't think that the time was right. Well, he was right because Peter Capaldi is a fucking triumph. Even though I didn't like his first season the first time I watched it, it wasn't until I went back that I went, "Oh my god, this is." Good. And then the the other runner runner up besides McAvoy was uh Russell Tovey, who is Alonso oh, in Voyage okay. of the Damned. I knew he was a runner up, but I didn't he's not the one I was thinking of. Um and has also been in uh He was like in Being, Being Human, Human and he was in um uh fuck, what is it? Uh Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. Because he's the Ray. Mm-hmm. I really like him. He's good. I don't know how I would have felt about seeing him as the doctor after having so recently seen Alonzo. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, Colin Baker was in a Peter Davidson episode. I think he could have done it. I think Matt Smith was a better choice. Yeah. Matt Smith, as I said, does great. So Alonso. I like Alonzo. <laughs> I like that it ends with Alonzo clearly hooking up with Captain Jack. It's so great. Like, he says goodbye to all of his companions, and the way he says goodbye to Captain Jack is, that dude would get in your pants. <laughs> Jack being like, let's do this! <laughs> it's like, thank you, Doctor. Um, 
I thought yeah. that was neat though to find McAvoy is the most interesting one. I wish I went to lead with that, but McAvoy was not as big back then because I had first class come out yet. What year did you say this was? Two thousand ten. If it came out, it came out shortly after this. It was Wanted out yet. I think so. I think Wanted was 2008? I want to say that's correct, but I don't know why I want to say that's correct. So he was at the point where he was starting to make some waves, but he wasn't... As oh, wow. Why did I know that it was 2008? Good job. <laughs> he was better than the comic. It's a Mark Miller property. It's almost always better when it's not the comic. So he was big enough at that point that he was making some waves, but he hadn't jumped to the level of stardom that he's kind of reached since then. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to, because I'm trying to think, because I, I, before that, I know I'd seen him in something. Oh, yeah, because I saw Atonement at a friend's house when his mom was watching it. Oh, okay. I don't know Atonement. So. But he was also the voice for Mr. Tumnus. That's right. He or was he wasn't. Mr. The, he, was, he was Mr. Tumnus. I, I was thinking of somebody I first else. Knew yeah, him from. that's what I first knew him from too. Oh, I love Mr. Voice Tumnus. Of, he was Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus is like my favorite Narnia character. I don't even know why. Um, all right. If you could cast anyone as the Doctor, who would you cast? I don't know if we've ever actually done this. Before. Now, Chuatel Edgia for. <laughs> yeah. After Any finding out who I don't care. After finding out he was almost the doctor, like I think he could still really, really do well in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else though that we haven't just talked about. Let me think about it for a second. The doctor, Richard Coyle, I think is who I would go with. Richard Coyle. Um, what all has he been on? He was Moist von Lipvig and Going Postal, which you haven't seen. He was in another Stephen Moffat property as Jeff, who was this like horny little dingus on um, Coupling. Mm. Uh, I think he was the bad guy in Prince of Persia, but like, I'm not going to hold that against him. Oh, shit. I know that I watched that at least once. Oh, I think I know who he is. Let me. He left Coupling and Coupling took a dive in quality, so... Okay, I've seen him on uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Of Sabrina. I gotta watch that still. He's um, he's the, the head of the magic. He's like the dean or whatever, if I remember right. Cool. Father Blackwell, according yeah. to this. Um, okay, cool. I like that. Okay. That's... He's, he's shown he has a good range between kind of like brooding and weird, goofy in a way that I appreciate. That you have to have to be the doctor. I don't know what Judah the Doctor would be like. Like, I just want to see it. I think... Ooh. I'm after Jody. Like, Jody, stay as long as you want. Don't get me wrong. I think I'm going to go with Michael Sheen. I'm hearing that one a lot ever since, uh, ever since Good Omens. And yeah, 100%. I don't... They have to make sure that they don't just kind of make David Tennant. Which yeah. helps that he's old enough now that you can't really play David Tennant in 2005. Right. Uh, I'd be so curious to see what they do with He's got range as an actor. I've been kind of wanting to see that new show he's on, Prodigal Son, where he plays the serial killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some things about I've seen that. ads. I keep watching the ads for it, even though I don't watch the show, because I'm like, I do like Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm. 
And I really want to watch, uh, what is it? Um, the new one him and David Tennant did together while they've been uh, closed off in quarantine. Yeah, that one. I'll look it up real quick. Uh, also, Idris. You always pick Idris. <laughs> I could say, who do you want to play Amy Pond now? And you would probably say Idris. Maybe Idris. <laughs> Maybe Johnny Legs. <laughs> it would be interesting to see, because uh, the only times I've watched Idris things are in much more action-heavy bits. Mm -hmm. And I know he has the range to do more. I just haven't seen those. But I just have to keep being like, but he's... It's like when people tell me Jason Statham. I'm like, you want Jason fucking Statham to play the doctor? Jason Statham as the doctor. That would be something to behold. I can't imagine a Jason Statham role where he doesn't threaten to beat someone to death with a baseball bat. Good point. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. I know a lot of people that are really... At one point, he was, like, actually considered... I don't think he was seriously considered because he was. I mean, I know he can be complicated. really funny. He can be funny. It's true. And it would actually probably be good for him to not play the role that he played in. Not the Incredibles, the the Expendables mm, mm -hmm. or the hundred other roles that he's played. That is basically the guy from the Expendables. No, I take it back. He was pitch perfect in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So good. So good. No, I want to rewatch that movie. Man, I this just is want to not a Doctor everything. Who episode for a Doctor Who episode. It's kind of a Doctor Who episode. Let's go with Cheatwell. He's, he's who we want. Look, we, we chose an episode that's too good. And it's, all we can say is, like, go watch it. It leads to, it's, leads to, has one of the most uh, maybe shared set of screen grabs in Doctor Who hip, history with the. Uh, Barking like a dog, barking not like a dog. Mm. Oh, that's a thing that would I keep thinking would be that, that I kept thinking while watching this it would be fun. Is any time the actor who's playing Prisoner Zero has to go like open his mouth really wide and go like, mm -hmm. and then in with the CGI effects they've got the creepy Prisoner Zero deep sea moray eel teeth, but they wouldn't obviously in real life. So they're like, all right, your acting direction is just go. <laughs> like everyone acts scared when they do that staged staged yes i really want to watch staged yeah me too haven't watched it yet no i have not either i okay. don't have what it's on yeah now that we got that yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be so fun to be a bad guy on doctor who like makes me think of when simon pegg played it oh and was yeah. also simon pegg could play a pretty good doctor i think you're right on that but Simon Pegg was so clearly having fun being the, like, chewing on the scenery villain. Ooh. I got a controversial choice for Doctor. Is it Nick Frost? No. It's a Kiwi. Is it, uh... Reese Darby. Huh. Not who you, I thought you were gonna go with. <laughs> what, Taika? Well, I had that thought. Let's be honest here. If Taika I was going would to be trust, an amazing doctor. If I was going to trust literally anyone who's not British, the only person would be Taika. I want Taika to be a showrunner. Uh, no, I was expecting you to go with Jermaine Clement, honestly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd do good, but Reese Darby, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm just on board He's with... He's a little manic. The like doc I, uh, you're not wrong. 
I just think the doctor, like, he's one of the few of them, like, no, I don't care if he's a man or a woman or what color. He got, they got to be British. I know. And that's or where a it's Scott, the, like, a, 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 you know, Great Britain kind of. And that's where I was throwing in that little controversial choice, but I could see him doing a fun doctor. Maybe more of a, uh, maybe too fun. Maybe too fun. I'm, I'm backing off on that choice a little bit, but. <laughs> In in the same way, why can't I think of Doug Jones for some reason? Like if I had to pick oh. an American, would be a fascinating yeah. choice. Doug Jones would be fascinating, and it'd be fun as much as I love him as Saru on Discovery to watch him actually use his face, and not so much so much prosthetic work all the time. All the time. Well, and like honestly, like if he wasn't already so famous as well. Famous for many things, but on the show as being Nardole, like, Matt Lucas would be a great doctor. Matt Lucas would be a really interesting... I don't usually... I was surprised by Nardole because I don't usually care for his humor, mm. but I really enjoyed Nardole. And when they first told me he was coming back, because I'd only seen Husbands of River, River Song with him at first, I was like, no, not him. I don't... And then, what is that? The, the Return of Dr. Mysterio or something like mm -hmm. that, the next one. I immediately went, oh, yes, I see what the dichotomy is here. And that was a companion that we had never had or we hadn't had since the original series. Someone who could, like, deal with the doctor almost on his level. I don't think we'd had that since, like, Romana. Yeah. When other Time Lords traveled with him. Uh, yeah, and see, like, that's the other thing. Like, we, we have... I, other people have shown that they could be awesome doctors, but they're already too involved in the show. Like, uh, what? what's her name? Michelle Rodriguez? Is that it? Uh, Missy? Yeah. Ooh. She's Ooh. a fantastic doctor, but that's because she's an amazing master. <laughs> yes. Uh, same with the guy who's currently playing the master, whose name I can't think of, but is also super good. Um, but you can't have them as the... No, I mean, you can't be both the doctor and the master. Like, it's one thing to be like... Oh, he once saved you. But uh, and now I'm borrowing your face because I earned it. But, but uh, knowing what they can do would have been an incredible doctor. Yeah. Apparently, Michelle Gomez was like... Uh, Gomez, that's it. Uh, she's like, I'm available. I want to meet Jody. That's a lie. I'm not available. But we will figure out a time for me to be available <laughs> to be Jody. And Cece was going, oh, no, we need that. And then we need River Song, too. So she wants Jody, River, Missy. She's like, all girls. I'm like, I do want that. But there is one character I want to add to that list that would ruin your all girls thing, but would just make it perfect. And that's Captain Jack Harkness. <laughs> yes. Because the sheer unlimited chaos of those four characters all in the same episode together. <laughs> also, just Jack and River or Jack and Missy. Jack's never, he's, no, he has met the master, but only as David Sim? John Sim. John Sims. John Sims. So, like, having that, like, I remember you and kind of hate you and you tortured me to, like, I'm kind of horny for you now. Okay, so to bring it back to this episode, mm -hmm. who's a companion that you would have liked to see with Matt Smith that we never got to see with Smith? Jack. Okay. And Donna. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have mind some Martha. I always thought Martha got the short end of the stick. She deserved two seasons as a regular. 
And I like her in her first season. And I don't dislike that she is the like kind of lovesick one that the doctor doesn't notice because I have been on both sides of that relationship before. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of fun to see it. But I also thought we deserved a lot more Martha of Martha standing up on her own rights. So I felt like she deserved a second season and not just as a like, I'm here sometimes. Uh, Yeah, actually, I was going to say Martha just because I I would like to see like later badass freedom fighter Martha juxtaposed against like trying to have fun Matt Smith. Yeah, because he is very much like I'm I'm done with my broodiness he broods a lot himself but especially early on like i stand a little bow-legged and i've got the bow tie and like i'm just being quirky and fun and she would have been so confused by him um and i have the i have the hipster tardis yes we'll get to the tardis in just a sec i want to finish this thigh there are two episodes of the sarah jane one episode of the sarah jane adventures that has the matt smith doctor in it and it also has, I, I think it's Liz Shaw, one of the third Doctor companions. Mm. And Sarah Jane meeting Matt Smith and Liz Shaw meeting Matt Smith was both was really fun in both ways. I really like Sarah Jane. And I miss Elizabeth Slayton because she died in the middle of filming Sarah Jane Adventures, which is just fucking tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, oh, this TARDIS... And you're right, it's a bit of the hipster TARDIS. Like, they went through the grunge phase, as they call it, in the 50th anniversary. But I will say, this is one of my favorite TARDIS consoles. Mm. Like, I really like this design. It's really pretty. I like the glass floor so he can has like, the different levels, but talking to people through it still. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the kind of warm orange in the TARDIS. I think that's a good, like homey color for the doctor it's got the round things that are like a reference to the round things without just the round things being there Mm -hmm. it was apparently a nightmare to record in which is why they changed it the color made everything really weird and saturated i can see that now uh i think it was kind of difficult to get like the camera sets around where you needed Mm. them with the weird stuff it's this or Peter Capaldi's I've basically turned the TARDIS into a library or like the TARDIS console into a library are my two favorite TARDIS consoles. I'd have to think about my favorite TARDIS console, but I know it's not this one. This one feels I like it, but it feels cluttered. I think it fits with Smith. See, I like uh, I mean, I just live in a cluttered house, so that doesn't bother me as much, but you're not wrong. <laughs> That's uh... um, I don't mind. I mean... I got some clutter. I not a lot. I've actually cleaned up in this room a bit, but <laughs> I compared to what was my poor wife. But um. <laughs> for like a spaceship, it feels weird to not have it slightly cleaner. Have you ever seen the Doctor Who American TV movie with Paul McGann? Yes, because his TARDIS is real pretty. It feels very H.G. Wells Victorian. Which was a very doctor move to make. I don't mind Jody's. It's my least favorite of the new ones. But it was a little better this most recent season when we see a little more of it. Like it gets it feels a little more complete in Jody's first season when we basically only see the console. It's strange. 
I'm going to take a look through a couple of them real quick, just see if I I might be able to come up with one that I do really like. I mean, in the end of the final Sylvester McCoy seasons, it was literally just the TARDIS console and some dark sheets behind it. I actually really like... I like the updated version of Smith's, I think. I like it. It's a it's a nice TARDIS. I was never quite as sold on... When they got on... rid of so much of the orange. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was never quite as sold on the... It, it felt very cold for Smith. Mm. That cold blue and gray color scheme worked better for Capaldi than it did for Smith, I felt like. But, I mean, it also... That was... Smith, who had lost Amelia at that point. And that was a Smith who never quite recovered from that. This is actually slightly fascinating, scrolling through all the the TARDIS. Yeah, uh, take the time to do that, really. (laughs) just uh, Actually, I I do. Yeah, McGann's is really good now that I see it again. It's so good. McGann's is really good. Capaldi's is really good. I think Capaldi's is my favorite. I know some people didn't like it, but I really enjoyed Capaldi playing the electric guitar and talking to himself in the TARDIS, like, oh, he's breaking the fourth wall. You know the Doctor just talks to himself like he's sp- giving a speech just to practice. I think McGann's I might have to put in third place, but it's a coin toss between the second Smith and Capaldi's. It's a classic look. It's updated. It's sleek. It looks old school, which the TARDIS should, but not, like, primitive. Mm-hmm. And it's where they moved away from the um, 9 and 10 TARDIS and then 11's early one still had a very little like, here's these random switches and dials. They're like, here's a fucking car horn or like a bicycle horn <laughs> is what I mean. Or like whatever random. It, it looks like just the doctor piecing it together over time. It makes sense, especially in the like time period where Smith is not doing anything for a while, that he would... Uh, as he grows up a little bit, he kind of ditches some of his like rebellious youth things that he had going on post time war. We never got to see uh, the War Doctor's TARDIS, did we? We saw bits of it, I think. We, but it was mostly just because there's one moment he's standing in his TARDIS, but I don't think we ever see the full like his TARDIS. I think it's mostly the the one they set up in the 50th anniversary where the TARDIS is glitching and like getting stuck between different oh, yeah. settings. Mm-hmm. I am glad they moved away from the almost all white that the original doctor ones almost always had. Some of them looked fine, but it was just, they don't look bad, but they're way dated retro now. Yeah, that's it. They, they just didn't age as timelessly as some of the other ones have. Mm-hmm. Um, I am curious what the War Doctors would have looked like just because the War Doctor does have one of my favorite sonic screwdrivers. He's got a great sonic... Honestly, I just wanted so much more of John Hurt as the Doctor. Doesn't have to be the War Doctor. The moment they revealed Hurt was going to be it, I was like, sold. In. Maybe... Okay. I'm not caught up on Jody, so maybe they have done this already in some way. If not... Do you think they're ever going to wrap around and try to retcon slash explain the Veil Yard anymore? They haven't, just for it. Uh, the Veil Yard being a possible incarnation of the Doctor, right? Like one of his possible last regenerations. Um, 
The Valyard never made a ton of sense, and with some of the revelations that have come out of Jody's thing, he makes even less sense. I think the only way to really explain the Valyard anymore is that he was lying. Mm. That he's not a possible final regeneration of the Doctor who's like turning evil, but it's just the dark side of the Doctor personified. Just make him like the Dream Lord uh, oh, from yeah. a few episodes in. Who killed it? I uh, just Derek wanted Jacoby, right? No, 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 Derek no, no, Jacoby's no, no. was um, uh, Toby. There we go. Toby. He played. Um, fuck. He's in Captain America. Not Toby Whithouse, who wrote this. A uh, Toby. Anyway, no. As soon as you said <laughs> no, I realized I was wrong. I mean, other. I mean, yeah. Like no. it, it, it snapped in my head. Derek Jacoby, like, who yeah. is still doing um, the Master Radio episodes oh audio episodes yeah which i'm in he's the war master oh okay uh before he i'm sorry i'm looking up which toby jones is his name there we go yeah it it was gonna bug me i just had to get it out there fuck what were we saying Uh, war doctor good doctor we're not here today sorry guys it's all over the place it's okay this is a good episode. This is it was a good episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, it was a good episode of Doctor Who. It it's a lot easier to talk Doctor about when Who. it's bad. Yeah, maybe we should do that. I'll watch Fear Her again for this. Yeah, or maybe Rings of Akhenaten, where I can defend it a little bit. Maybe I'll like it more. But mm. you're right. The plot of it is garbage, as we've talked about before. With Doctor Who, you get great plot, great special effects, or great character work, and you never get all three in one go. There was great character work in this. You get to see Smith become the Doctor. This one comes closest, I think, or one of the closest. Mm -hmm. The plot is a good intro one. There's nothing amazing about it, but like... But it's solid. There's no part of it that breaks it for me. No. Um, There's there's great little bits of continuity. If you're paying attention, mm -hmm. you can piece together what's going on earlier by looking at who the patients actually are in the hospital. And... um, the Atraxi look fine. I mean, as I said, they look kind of goofy, but in a way that works for Doctor Who. The special effects for Prisoner Zero aren't great, but they're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is one that kind of comes the closest because it lands all three of those things, but not in any, like... Groundbreaking Yes, way. one side does... One, one bit doesn't overwhelm the other two. Right. Watch Doctor Who. Watch Doctor uh, Who. Okay. Uh, any recommendations? Yeah, my recommendation is also something I should have brought up for what I've been ingesting, but I'll pass it along because it's been weirdly meditative for me. Um, I've been watching uh, a ton of a city planner playing cities. Oh, I was watching some of this with you last week. This is bizarre and really enrapturing. Yeah, a city planner playing city skylines. Um, I think he just plays like I think on his channel, his plan is to play more city builders than just city skylines. But the city city he was pretty comprehensive. Yeah. And the city he was working on, I know he works on for at least like 30 episodes because I'm in 20 and I'm seeing the other ones pop up as recommendations. I know that lately he started a a build with like five other like city skyline streamers oh wow where like each of them build a part of the city and i think they're building in towards the center i haven't started that one yet but it seems also 
fascinating. That one could go way more wrong, but that's really kind of fun. But yeah, dude, watching this guy just build this city of Bluffside Crossing in a game I don't even play has been weirdly fascinating. Yeah, I walked in and you were, and I was like, what the hell, Tyler? And then really quickly, I was like, this is kind of amazing. And it's been like, I don't even I, know why. I built a bookshelf earlier this weekend watching it like i've been doing everything i could with see that it being a good build show like something to have on while you're making and kind of keep those creative juices flowing that makes sense so that i it's great and he, he i like that he he does a couple things that annoy me like he, most of the time the sim is going full speed and i can't play like that it's anxiety inducing but uh, like he also does cool things like trying to make this sure the city looks like it's grown organically, like making sure to like make a downtown area for and like an old town area first and not laying out a bunch of other things and like growing that up. And as the city grows and, and then stuff, putting at yeah. some of that as like historic so it doesn't change from looking a certain way and stuff. And it, it's been great. That's I, interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a recommendation, but I'm going to go with something else just because i feel like you know adding in some doctor who it's an experience and you need to step in being this will be nothing like the doctor who that we've been talking about but watch the unearthly child the Mm. very first doctor who serial ever made you will hate that doctor i really love william troughton as the doctor but it takes him a few episodes and this isn't against william troughton but it takes them a few episodes to prove that he's not the worst person alive he is unlikable in those early ones. But you see hints of what the Doctor will become. Mm-hmm. You see why it works. You also see William Troughton teach the cavemen how to make fire, which is dumb, but kind of amazing at the same time. Go into it with like maybe a few other friends who are also Doctor Who fans and being aware of what you're getting into. Also, maybe don't watch it all in one go because they were originally made as serials. So, you know, eight episodes for one story or four episodes for one story, half hours each. And if you watch them all in one go, the flow is really funky. Mm. But if you watch them like an episode Broke or two up. at a time, uh, you you don't lose track in the way that I inevitably will otherwise. Yeah, OK. Sounds good. Good recommendations. Good recommendations. Uh, did, have we figured out what we're doing next time? No. We talked about it a little bit, but I don't think we've landed on I don't know what we're doing something. next time, so we'll figure it out. I don't think out. we landed on anything, so. Uh, see us again here in two weeks. Yeah. I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, 
it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earvrm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.